Hi folks, welcome to Business Beyond Borders. I'm Cynthia Deeran. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll know that I created this podcast so that founders and CEOs who are exploring going global can learn from people who've already been internationally successful. Today, I'm talking to Lee Hackett, CEO of Blueprint X, which is a company that helps CMOs, CROs, and CEOs of mid to large size businesses to grow their revenue using data and technology. Lee has played a really important role in creating and scaling seven startups in four continents over the last 10 years. And several of those companies became market leaders within a couple of years, and then Lee sold them to FTSE 200 organizations and global companies. Lee set up his latest business, Blueprint X, in 2013. Interestingly, though, he hasn't always been an entrepreneur. And before he got into business, Lee was a professional footballer with Wigan Athletic in the UK. Today, Lee and I are going to chat about Blueprint X and how Lee took it global. Lee, welcome to Business Beyond Borders. Cynthia, great. Really appreciate you having me on. Really looking forward to it. It's a pleasure. Now, you're joining me from London today, and we're going to be talking international business. But before we get there, because you're on the ground in the UK, I really wanted to ask you about Brexit. So what is the mood in London like this week? And what are people on the street saying? Ah, Brexit, yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, I, you know, in a gloomy London at the moment, uh, which uh, I guess everyone would expect. But um, and I think that's the, the attitude with Brexit at the moment. I think it's sure that everyone's just sick of it. Um, I think that's the, the, the kind of thing that's dragged on far too long. And whether you agree with the, um, whether you agree with, you know, taking the UK out of the EU or staying in, that kind of thing is now, um, for the average Joe, for, you know, a CEO of a business, for, um, you know, large or small, mm. it's kind of whatever, let's just get on with it. Um, let's just make it happen, whatever we do. But um, I think the whole thing was kind of inevitable. Mm. Um, you know, with something like this that is so divisive, uh, then you've got the political element of it as well as the, you know, the kind of uh, tribal element of it. Um, you know, I think the whole UK, particularly business, uh, just wants to get on with it and, and make a decision either way, which and hopefully we can do that in the next few months. I know that Brexit's now not happening for se several more months, but what kind of impact do you think it'll have on the UK from an international business perspective? And looking around you, you know, as you do business in the UK, what impact has it already had? Well, look, I, I, for me, I think there's two levels to this. There's, um, there's, the, there's no doubt that you know, businesses have held up investment whether that's investment, inward investment to the UK or whether that's um, UK businesses, you know, investing in their existing business to, to, to grow internationally or grow in the UK. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, for me, I think every business needs to think internationally now. So, you know, whether that is, um, you know, in the UK or the EU or further beyond that into North America or South America or Asia, which is, you know, obviously huge uh, in terms of over the next 10 to 15 years. So 
I think it's just a, another reason of why businesses should, should think internationally because, um, you know, there's no doubt about it that, um, you know, the, the, the world is changing. The ind- you know, business is changing. The opportunity has become bigger. The opportunity to take your business internationally is easier for me than it's ever been. So I think there's no doubt about that. There's kind of two levels, you know, there's the, the lack of investment or the slowdown of investment. And I think what we will see once this is sorted out, we'll see that investment released, no doubt, you know, um, and, and we'll be the all, all the better for it. And, uh, but, you know, also, you know, for me, it's just a message of if you're a business, you need to be thinking bigger than your current market anyway, uh, because these things won't stop changing. Lee, I want to take a bit of a different tack now, um, and this is just because I am fascinated about something that I found out about you, and that is that before you got started in business, you're a professional footballer. I would love to know how did you make that transition from athlete to entrepreneur and why? What was the what was the motivation behind that? And you know, what what's the story? Yeah, yeah, it's a a good story, but I think um, yeah, look, I, I, I think the, the, the adaptation from an athlete um, to, into business uh, was, was one for me which was really easy. Um, looking back now, it, it certainly wasn't deliberate. So, you know, I played football straight from school, uh, went into a professional team and, and then finished my career relatively early. But when you, and I, you know, I did absolutely terrible at school, right? So, you know, no academic uh, background at all, zero. I was always going to play football. Um, so for me, it was always the focus of being an athlete and being a football player. So when I moved to, uh, when I come out of contract, I kind of had to get a job. So it was, you know, it was a, it was a necessity. So I, I, I kind of, you know, stumbled into a, um, you know, a sales role and, you know, the adaptation for me in terms of what I learned when I was an athlete about hard work, about focus, uh, have building a, res- you know, having, a, having to be resilient, uh, fit, all of these kind of things that made it much easier for me to excel in business because they're all transferable skills. Now, yeah. I didn't know at the time, but looking back now and joining the dots, then, you know, I'm able to do that. So it allowed me to go into a business environment and progress really quick because I was kind of competing, you know, I was in my early twenties. I was competing with people, you know, twice my age, you know, back then there was no real young people in management. It was, you know, it was always, you know, 35 plus and now it's different. And so I was able to move really, really fast. So for me, it was kind of the best grounding I could have in business was to be an athlete and learn all those transferable skills. And did you learn much in the footballing world about teamwork that you could apply in the business world? Oh yeah, oh you know, ph- ph- phenomenal. And, and the you know resilience in particular, uh, working as a team, transparency, right, was you know kind of for me born then because in a in a in a locker room, you know, you would you come off the field, and you'd you know good or bad, you'd have your you know, say what you needed to say in that locker room and it wasn't pretty. And many of the times, you know, people would tell you what they think of you. You would tell them what you think of them. Uh, But after that, you would walk out the room and it would all be forgotten. 
and you were a team again. And, you know, business is like that. Um, you know, and that's where the probably, that's definitely where the transparency come for me. And because I, I was, I was open for that. And, you know, in my early career, I was seeking that from my managers. You know, I was annoying the hell out of them saying, look, what can I do better? How can I improve? How can I get a promotion? How can I earn more money? Um, and, you know, and that just allowed me to, to progress super quick. So, you know, yeah, so many lessons. I'm wondering if you've been able to apply that sort of sports philosophy and that team philosophy back into the businesses that you've run to coach the business teams that you work with? Yeah, well, it's, it, it's kind of funny that, you know, the majority of my businesses um, that I've been involved in until Blueprint X were what I would classify as, you know, high, fast growth, um, super growth uh, businesses, which had a lot of high caliber people. In them. So, um, you know, and that was deliberate. So the businesses didn't carry a lot of kind of junior, younger staff. They were all senior individuals, high caliber, highly resilient, high delivery, um, tremendously different, difficult to manage uh, because they have all those challenges, but they grew really super quick. And that was kind of my MO. In Blueprint X, completely different. When we devised Blueprint X as a model, or blueprint at that time, the skills went in the marketplace. So I couldn't go out and get experienced people. And what we found in our business, because of the nature of the, you know, the technology is new, the theory is new, that young people just have a better fit. Mm. So, um, and that's what we've done really well with our relationships with the universities in terms of bringing in young talent and developing them. And that has its own challenges. Uh, as well, for sure. Um, but it's, you know, from a, a, you know, our aim is to build a high performance, um, you know, environment uh, and transparency, openness, and having a vision and being part of something which is, you know, really important to young people. You have been on an absolute hell of a journey by the sounds of it. You know, it's, uh, it's super exciting. So that's, that's a great segue to what I wanted to talk to you about next. And you just said, that you feel like it's never been easier for businesses to go international, including for your business. Can you just describe for me, for the benefit of our listeners, what Blueprint X does and why you feel that there's never been a better time to be an international business than now? Yeah, so first, um, Blueprint X is, is a holding company, and um, but really... Our target market is, you know, helping CMOs, um, you know, CMOs, CEOs, or, or you know, chief revenue officers um, of mid to large size businesses, and helping them grow grow revenue through the use of technology. And so, our businesses, we were kind of born global, mm. and um, you know, our market is global. So we were, you know, kind of not forced into it, but it was there was not a question that it wasn't going to be. That way, um, you know, if you look at, you know, most mid-sized businesses and enterprise level businesses in the sectors that we play in, which is, you know, predominantly technology uh, or financial services, then they have or are having a global footprint. So as a business, we need to be there to support them in the use of their technology because these companies are going through a huge transformation. Mm-hmm. So um, Blueprint X was effectively born five years ago uh, to service that market. So really it was, uh, you know, it, was a, it wasn't a choice. It was part of the plan from the beginning. 
So when you started, you thought we're going to have customers all around the world. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, if you the business was originated in a, uh, we actually spun out of a, a university in the north of England in Liverpool. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm not kind of proud of this, but we've never actually had a, a customer in Liverpool because instantly we targeted the particular market, and the majority of those customers, um, you know, were international. So they had bases in London. Uh, or Frankfurt or Zurich, um, the big cities, if you like, that you would you would expect to see in Europe. So talk to me about that. I mean, you're in a university in Liverpool, and yet you're a born global company. What were those early days like? How did you go about getting those early international customers? Just just talk me through, you know, what kind of how that happened. Yeah. So well, I, I think this is the the important thing in growing any business, but you know, particularly if you want to grow internationally is, you know, you've got to understand your market and you've got to know where your customers live and how they will buy your services. So in our world, uh, it's dominated by the big technology players, you know, people like Oracle and Salesforce and Adobe. Now, the majority of our customers will go to those companies first to talk about how their technology can help them transform their business. Now, you know, it's a story for another day. It's not the right way to do it, but that's basically what happened. So we knew that our go-to-market strategy had to focus around, actually, our customers were not the end users. Our customers were the technology companies because ultimately they, are, they need um, us to help uh, the end users make the best out of that technology investment. So it's a kind of symbiotic relationship. So in the early days, it was quite simple. Um, you know, to as long we understood that it was quite simple to go to them, promote ourselves, build up our skill set, uh, and they would bring us into the marketplace. And and that continues to happen now. Um, and I think that's a key for anyone who's looking to grow their business is really understanding how the customer will buy your services um, rather than, you know, I'm going to spend millions of dollars on advertising and, and uh, social media and marketing uh, into the end user. Is there another way that you can enter that market in a much more simple and cost-effective way? And sometimes I think it's interesting to do that exercise of just saying, let's pretend that we have no money to spend on this, but we have to find a solution on pain of death. And then seeing what 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 actually falls out. Oh no, for sure. And um, you know, there's no doubt about it. Money can be a hindrance, or you know, the ability to invest in lots of different things can can actually make you lazy and and uh, make the wrong decision. So you know, my MO as a as a as a CEO and as an entrepreneur over the last you know five to six businesses that I've been involved in is is test and fail really quick. So, and to do that, you do not want to be spending a ton of money. So it is really important that, you know, you do, you, you do your research and you understand how you're going to go to market, but you're willing to fail super quick. Yeah. And so how, how did you research? Just give me a practical example of how you found out who you were going to sell to and how they wanted to buy in that international space. Were you picking up the phone? Were you going and sitting in front of people and asking them, whether they like the product, what did it actually look like? Yeah, well, I, I, I have a philosophy, Cynthia, on, you know, in terms of, as I said, I'm a bit of a, 
startup junkie now. I've been in, you know, this is my uh, 56 startup and, and I like to operate the startup. So, but I do not like to go too far away from my core competence. So I got involved in Blueprint X because I was using this kind of technology in my previous businesses, in another business that I'd actually developed in, uh, in the Middle East. And so I kind of knew there was an opportunity there. Um, I was in construction products, which is completely different than you know what Blueprint X does. But I, I'd used the technology to grow that business. I seen it was really new. I seen that there wasn't a lot of knowledge on how to use it. There wasn't a lot of skills on how to use it. So when I was looking, I exited that business in Dubai. When I was looking for my next opportunity, uh, I kind of had an inside track. So um, and I like to do things that way. Um, you know, I think if you're going to go into a completely different market with no understanding of, of that market, you know, you're just 10x in the, the risk. So for me, it was, it was you know, I, I needed to spend one, or two, one to two years and the first one to two years really working it out before we could really scale it. But right. I think it was, you know, it was, it was a key understanding of using the technology, understanding where the opportunity was. And as I said, just lots of trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. And so how many countries is Blueprint X in today? So we're currently in four countries. Um, so we'll be in the Middle East. Uh, we have an office in Zurich, uh, office in the UK or two offices in the UK and also in Sydney, uh, which is an acquisition that we did uh, April last year. So certainly over the last two years, we've grew pretty rapidly. Um, and for a very small business that's only five years old, um, acquisitions and growth and all of those kind of, kind of things are come with um, an extra degree of complexity. But yeah. that's the opportunity of our market. As I said, we were born global, so it's, it's been planned that way from the beginning. And why did you pick those particular countries? Because they're not exactly close together, are they? No, no. And, and, and yeah, so when we did the acquisition in, uh, in Sydney, um, you know, we, we, could, we could enter any market, which would be, you know, the obviously ANZ um, and then in, into APAC um, and launch into APAC, but North America, which is a bit more competitive. But really, we're looking for the best businesses. So we're on a bit of an acquisition trail as well as organic growth. Mm. Again, trying to build a global network. So uh, we're looking for the best businesses. So basically, the the, the, the company RMS who we bought in Sydney, fantastic operation, fantastic uh, team. Um, so that was really kind of first on the list. So it's not scientific in any way. It's just where do we have customers? Where do our customers live? And where is the great companies that we can try and bring into our network? What are the biggest challenges that you've faced as you've done the expansion and as you've gone global as it were? What's been difficult? I think for me, um, you know, if you're a big business and, and you're doing acquisitions, then, you know, you're normally going to have, you know, there's going to be an integration team and resources in a small business, you know, you don't have those resources. And so effectively everything falls upon the management team that is in place. So um, definitely distraction uh, from your core business is the main one. And we suffered from that last year. There's no doubt, you know, when we did the, the acquisition in Sydney, um, we, we, you know, almost automatically you get distracted away from your core business. So you have to keep pulling that back. Um, and I guess the other one would be culture. 
Um, you know, culture for me is a um, probably the most challenging part of business uh, because it's it's about people. So when you're trying to grow a, a global business, and the kind of stuff that we do for customers is really really hard. You know, the kind of projects that will deliver, as I said, the transformational. So the people's careers are on the line. So if they you know spend quite a lot of dollars with us to bring us in to to help them take their business through a transformation. If that goes well, then, you know, that's career defining for them both ways. So that adds a lot more pressure. So if you're then doing that at a global level, uh, then you've got to really have a good culture and uh, you've got to work hard on that. And that isn't easy. And uh, certainly a big learning curve for me. So give me your top tips on dealing with both of those big challenges. On one hand, the distraction, how did you handle that? And on the other hand, the culture, how have you gone about building the kind of culture that you need to make the business sustainable internationally? Yeah, so the distraction, I think, is is purely just um, awareness of it and um, that it's happening and, and, and also having a management team who can cope with it. And that's, that's crucial. Um, and I think, you know, that's a, that's a constant learning. And, you know, we, we, we lost some of our management team last year purely on, on that fact that, you know, we had a management team that, you know, in a single lane, really good. But then obviously once you then start to add in these layers of complexity, then it, it really does make it challenging. So you kind of got to have, um, you know, the management team, but, you know, the, the only way to deal with it is awareness and keep pulling it back and, and keep everyone focused on the vision. And culture is, as I said, it's a really, really tricky one. I think for me, what we're trying, what I'm trying to build in this business, and I think for me is, you know, a big part of my principles, but also I think something that's very important in business is transparency. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can have a business which is transparent, you know, it talks about the good things as well as the bad things. Um, this adds a lot of challenges because, you know, being transparent comes with huge risks. You know, we're doing another acquisition now. I'll give you an example. We're doing another acquisition now. It's actually in the UK here. I'm, I'm in London at the moment. I'll be meetings on this this afternoon. But we're relatively transparent with our business in, in that acquisition because we want to give the people a kind of heads up that it's coming both ends. Now that comes with a lot of risk. Um, you know, if I go back 20, 15 years in my career, when I was doing acquisitions for a big corporate, I would be fired. Um, you know, if that happened, so, you know, transparency is easy to say difficult to deliver, but I think it's an absolute necessity if you want to build a healthy business with a really great culture. Yeah, I, I really agree with you on that. I think, um, yeah, I, I absolutely share your view. Are there favourite books that you've encountered or favourite people who have mentored you or encouraged you or inspired you on the journey? And who or what are those books, people, podcasts, and, and why have you picked the ones you've picked? Yeah, so I've not really um, – mentors has never been um, a big part of my career, and, and although I've I took – so many I've nicked so many ideas from really good people I think I've I've kind of mastered that uh, over the years of, of being able to learn uh, you know particularly other people's mistakes so I kind of in, in my own way I've had plenty of mentors um, but I think from a you know in terms of books on it I'm a huge listener 
to podcasts and books and uh, all of these kind of things. And I think that's, you know, not having a, a formal education where I left, you know, school and went to university, I've had to become a self-learner. And I think that's one of my strengths. But I definitely one of the books that has had a huge profound effect on me over the last few years uh, and still now um, is it by a guy called Ray Dalio, Principles, um, which, <clears throat> you know, I think for me was just a kind of, I think one of the things that you can really get from listening to books or reading books or watching podcasts or going to events, all of these kind of things, which I think are really good is, you know, you get a reinforcement of your thinking, right? So, and, you know, and, and in that book, that really struck a chord for me. And, you know, I've, I've met some people who have read that book and think, don't get it. You know, you know, it's, it's very robotic, not really for me, but for me, you know, it's definitely a profound, um, you know, effect on me. So if there's one recommendation, uh, I'd make to anyone is read that, you know, if you're in business and life in general, you know, read that, you're going to get a lot from it. Uh, and in terms of podcasts, you know, one of my favorites and has been for a number of years is Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, definitely, you know, someone I enjoy listening to interesting guests, you know, goes on all over the place. So for me, that's a, you know, a, a, also a big part of my kind of staple podcast week. Fantastic. We will put those in the show notes so that people can find them. Lee, how can people get in touch with you if they want to find out more about what you do or, you know, check out your philosophy on doing business or just generally make contact? Yeah, so um, LinkedIn, Instagram, LinkedIn, obviously you just put in my name and Blueprint X, you're, you're going to find me. Um, Instagram is a, is a another channel I've started to use over the last 12 uh, months. So, you know, Lee Hackett, uh, Lee underscore Hackett, which you'll find me there. Um, but yeah, look, I, I welcome that opportunity for people to reach out, um, you know, and share experiences and, and, you know, so, uh, you'll find me on those channels. Fantastic. And have you got any final thoughts for founders and business owners who are listening to this show and wondering, is going global really for our company? Is this something we should attempt? What would you say? Yeah, well, I, I think I think it brings us back. It brings us back right to the beginning. I think um, you know, I, 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 if you're not thinking about going go, go, going global, then you need to because um, I don't think it's a choice. Now, look, in certain industries, you know, it's not relevant. If you're running a local store or something like that, it's different. But you know, you can be global going on the web. Um, so that, you know, as I said, everything's now much easier to do. Um, it's never as hard as what people are going to tell you it is. Um, it is tough, of course it is, but it's worth doing. And the opportunity is huge. So I just don't think people have a choice now. I think it's a necessity. It should be part of your business plan, whether it's over the web uh, or whether it's local or you're, you know, like us trying to acquire businesses or, or set up businesses in different countries. And I think, as I said, that will only become you know, that opportunity will only become bigger. So it's something that you have to do. So that would be my advice is, you know, take the kind of choice off the table and just make it happen. I think that's, uh, that's some great advice. Lee, it has been great having you on the show today. Thank you so much for being my guest. If you're enjoying the Business Beyond Borders podcast and you're thinking about expanding your company internationally, check out the Deeran and Associates website, deeranassociates.com. Our consulting services, which include market research and modeling, cross-cultural consulting, 
and strategic business connections deliver deep insights and create value for larger companies looking to scale internationally. If you're from a smaller organization that wants to expand its global footprint, take a look at our International Business Accelerator program, which my team and I created to help micro to medium-sized businesses to speed up and de-risk the process of going global. The program helps business owners to build a great strategy without having to reinvent the wheel. It creates the momentum to put the strategy into play and it helps them to generate or raise the funds that they need to get an international expansion off the ground. We built it especially for founders and CEOs who want to take their business to the next level and wondering where to start. It's structured in a way that's simple to follow. It's digital so that you can take part from anywhere in the world. It's a lot of fun and our members love it. Check it out at dearandassociates.com.